Chapter Ten of The Game and the Candle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Game and the Candle by Eleanor M. Ingram. Chapter Ten: Astania's Own. It was a pity that, amidst all the gorgeous ceremony and confusion of welcome, Iris did not see the warm affection of Stanius' greeting to Alard. Perhaps she would have been less hopelessly afraid when the little emperor took her hand and presented to her the tall superb noble whose dark face finely emotionless resembled a cameo whose velvet eyes she did not see behind their curtaining lashes yet stanief was faultlessly courteous even kind in his grave manner it might have been merely that he was so different from her fancies of the last weeks. The wedding was to take place in two days. Two days of festivities, of marvelously decorated streets, of wonderful balls by night. Ira did exactly as she was told, yielded dazedly to Adrian's caresses, and accepted the regent's lavish gifts. Like a beautiful toy, she allowed her ladies to dress her half a dozen times a day, and listened submissively to her mother's advice but the afternoon before her wedding day she saw stanief alone for the first time after all it was not really alone the emperor had been chatting with her on the great glass enclosed balcony and as stanief came towards them he rose with a significant smile and went back to the reception hall still from that crowded reception hall, they were only separated by arching open arcades, only slightly screened by towering palms and flowers in huge vases. Stanief took the chair beside his fiancée and looked at her. This was the first moment when he could do so without feeling himself watched by all curious eyes. He had read perfectly the terror under her mute passivity, the shrinking of her tiny frost-cold hands from his touch, and he pitied her with all his heart. Now in a lustrous rose-pink gown, against which her transparent skin showed without a tinge of colour, her bronze-bright head averted, her mouth curved in childish petals, she inspired him with an anger against Adrian which he had never felt for himself. Princess, he said gently, we have seen so little of each other until now, nor shall we again until after tomorrow. May I say something which has been in my thoughts since we met yesterday? As you will, Monsignor, she murmured. I think it is as you will, Stanief corrected, smiling in spite of himself. But I accept the permission. Will you forgive me if I have imagined that you feared me, Princess? Ira raised her topaz eyes to his in complete dismay. Monsignor, you are angry. The sentence broke. Those firm, steadily tranquil eyes of his caught and helpless. Angry? Why? But I am sorry deeply sorry for the net of policy which has enmeshed us both and left me no power of freeing you and i would do all possible princess to make this less hard for you there is no need to be afraid of me in any way i do not know what they have told you of me if i govern the empire severely it is that order may come from chaos no more of what else i may be accused monsignor he smiled again at her tone rather sadly oh i know my enemies but such things have no place between you and me. John Allard was like a sweet. Perhaps he could have told you that I am not all harshness. She snatched her gaze from his and blushed as he had never seen a woman blush before, the heavy crimson staining her very forehead. 
He did tell me that, Monsieur Nero. Then I would ask you to trust me, Princess. Tomorrow you will come to my house. There will be no other change in your life which you do not wish. I am not a reigning sovereign, and there is no reason why you should not keep with you the ladies of your own country whom you prefer. If you desire, I will have the Emperor ask your mother to remain with you for a few months. Ira shook her head. Her mother's constant surveillance threatened even the peace Stanief offered and prohibited rest. You are good to me, Monsignor, she faltered. I will stay with you, please. He understood, knowing the lady in question. Thank you, he answered, and after a moment, a Stanief guards his own. So much, at least, our race has of loyalty. And to guard you all I can, that is all I claim. There are enough more serious troubles, Princess, without adding the artificial one of fear. If there is sorrow to you in this marriage, it is beyond my cure. But rest quietly in my guardianship. The shadow of a sob crossed Arya's sensitive face. She looked up at him bravely and gratefully. You are good, she said hurriedly. I never hoped you would be like this to me, Monsignor. No one ever thought of me so carefully before. Never. But it is right to tell you, because you are so good. I know that you did not wish this marriage either. We are like so. Baron Dalmaru informed me this morning. I am infinitely indebted to Baron Dalmaru, observed Stanief, his dark brows contracting in an expression that might have terrified into flight Ira's newfound confidence if she had not been absorbed in her confession. I was not hurt, Monsignor. It made it easier to know. And now I can tell you, I, I hate secrets. There was someone, oh, someone quite impossible and who does not care for me at all. He does not dream I ever thought like that. But I fancied he was someone else. I misunderstood. It was not his fault in any way. I had to tell you, Monsignor. It seemed to me right to do so. Stanief leaned forward and laid his hand over the cold hands folded in her lap. He had never before believed that a woman could be frank, never imaged one who hated secrets. It was as if he stood on the threshold of a room all perfume and whiteness and not the most accomplished coquette could have devised a means of moving him so profoundly. All my life, I shall remember that you gave me your confidence, Iria, he answered, with exquisite delicacy and respect. So far, I am happier than you. I love no one. Have no doubt, no dread of anything I can say to you. Some good may come of all this. How can we tell? And at least there is no need of making it worse by not understanding. You will not shrink so much from tomorrow, now? She met his eyes, helpless as a child in the great reaction. His warm clap seemed to melt the chill in despair of the last days. A little color came back to her cheek and something flashed rainbow light upon her lashes. Not now, she sighed quiveringly. Thank you, Monsignor. Stania raised her hand to his lips and presently they went back to the decressor after which he went in search of Adrian. The emperor was talking to Allard when his cousin came up to the aclos where they were ensconced, and he sat motionless with astonishment at the sight of Stania's still hard glance and compressed lips. Cousin! he exclaimed, daunted in spite of himself. 
A lot had risen at the approach, but Stanief did not regard him, and Adrian gave no permission to retire. Sire, Stanief said, in a markedly quiet tone that came with his rare anger. It is frequently your Imperial Majesty's pleasure to submit me and my affairs to the discussion or criticism of Baron Dalmarov. I have made no complaint. I make none now, but there is a limit to such endurance. The lady who is to be my wife, Allard moved involuntarily. Adrian raised his hand in sweet protest. Cousin, I assure you. Stanius saluted him formally. Sire, I have just learned that Baron Dalmarov has had the tact to inform the Princess Arya that I was marrying her under compulsion and against my will. This insult to Madame, this falsehood. Cousin, this falsehood, sire, since, having met the princess, it is my earnest desire to have the honor of her hand. This is too much. Baron Dalmarov is your attendant. I request your justice, if it is refused. Well, cousin, Adrian asked mechanically, rather in stupor than challenge at Stania's words. Stanius' usually veiled glance glinted clear and ice cold. Sire, Dolmarov shall account to me now and I to you later. A lord, familiar with both, bit his lip in an agony of anxiety. For an instant, Adrian wavered. Then his eyes fell, beaten down by those of his kinsmen. Whatever you wish, conceded, docilely as Arya could have spoken. He had no right, no excuse for me, Go bid Dalmarov to come here, Allard. The surrender was complete. Relief and surprise, Allard obeyed. Hazarding a guess that the Emperor's own fondness for Arya had influenced the answer. But Adrian had not lived ten months with his region without learning more than a childish love of command. He looked up again at the stately figure that towered over him, glittering in the semi-barbaric magnificence of dress demanded by etiquette. Come by me, Fedor, he urged with a gesture of invitation to the chair at his side. Thank you, sire, without moving. Adrian surveyed him, then stooped to the first apology of his life, however imperiously spoken. I never told anyone at all of your unwillingness to marry Iria Fedor. If it is known, it is because you yourself seize every possible delay. Come here. I do not wish Dalmaru to find you standing there. Stanief complied, and Adrian laid a hand on his sleeve. Then you love Arya after all? He asked with hesitating curiosity. Love? In 24 hours? Hardly, sire, but I guard my own. The young emperor lifted his head no less proudly. And so do I, cousin. Domoro shall satisfy you. Half an hour after Arya had returned to the suite, appointed to her and her mother, she received a visit from Baron Domoro, a very different Domoro from the malicious, self-confident gentleman of the morning and who offered her so abject an apology for his mistaken and untrue statement regarding the Grand Duke's attitude that the gentle princess was quite distressed. She sent him away reassured and apparently grateful, then fell to connecting events. Recollecting Stanius' expression during her naive account and the carriage of his head, as he had crossed the reception hall to Adrian, she had no difficulty in divining the reason for Dalmaru's sudden contrition. But Stania's strength no longer chilled her with terror. Instead, she stood with relief behind its shelter. There was a ball at the palace that night. Stanief never danced, but everyone else did. And the emperor opened the evening with the princess. It was obvious to all why Stanief had been forced to this marriage. Whenever Adrian was seen with Arya, the boy so evidently liked, 
indeed loved her. And the 15-year-old autocrat was always popularly supposed to be without affection. Near the end of the evening, Stanier came across Lord, who was leaning against a flower-wrapped pillar and watching the dancers with grave, unseeing eyes. The other men studied him for a minute, then laid a hand on his shoulder. John, I have scarcely seen you tonight. You look troubled. Allard started and turned, his face brightening warmly. I am not dancing tonight, Monsignor, he explained. That is all. Why not? The gray eyes fell. I was a bit out of sorts, perhaps. Stania stood silent, his own expression becoming very somber. Allard waited quietly. He indeed bore the stamp of fatigue in his pallor and the dark circles beneath his eyes. It is a tangled skin, this life of ours, Stania said at last and not wholly of our spinning. You are with the Emperor tonight? Every night now, Monsignor. Then I may not see you until morning. Good night, John. Allard smiled with a cordial brilliancy that always sprang in response to his name on Stanier's lips. Good night, Monsignor, he answered lovingly. The next morning, with all elaborate ceremony, the marriage took place. It was remarked that when the princess stood up, in as much snowy satin, old lace, and pearl as could be crowded upon one small feminine figure, opposite Stanief in the vast cathedral, her white eyes never left his face, and she seemed to find support in his composure. And when they came down the aisle together, her little white gloved fingers clung to the white sleeve of his uniform, as if there alone she touched some reality in the bewildering panorama. Did you ever see the frail edelweiss growing on the ledge of some ice-fringed granite cliff? whispered the volatile Vestili in Allard's ear. Look, pray at our Grand Duchess. The edelweiss is safe, at least, Allard replied soberly, perhaps safer than the cliff. End of chapter 10 Recording by Jade from Malaysia